I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. There's no secret that November, December, January, February are usually the slowest times. And even at at this, the Hoops Institute level, we've had 2% churn. So 2% of people dropped off week over week because they're not training right now. They're taking a break until March or April, which it makes sense. March, there's, at least for us, there's a big big spike in March when you have March Madness and they finish their season. So some are taking a break. Uh, until March, some really in May. Uh, I think March is a great time frame. If you're going to take a break from November until March, really February to start ramping up to be prepared for March, that is very smart. You can use those months to really get set, save up, and to hit it strong from March until September, October time frame. Some people are not training because they want to put it towards the merchandise. Uh, and there's a, there's a bunch of reasons honestly, which uh, to each his or her own. But for those who are actually still doing this and actually helping athletes from November to February, here are some things that you can focus on to to continue the growth and to make sure that you are not stagnant and honestly lacking profit. So first things first, camps. Uh, I think the, the secret here is to look at each respective school district and you know, it takes work to market and to gain traction in certain areas, specific areas. For example, one area where we're booked out for two days, Monday, next Monday and next Tuesday, we're booked out completely full for those two days. But in another area, which surprisingly, you know, the area where I played college basketball, far removed, probably it has something to do with it. But the area where I played college basketball that I thought would have more traction right now has zero meal. And that is a week or two weeks away from now. So I've got some work to market that and to make sure that there are more registrations. Actually, we have two people, but not might as well say, <laughs> uh, no, we have two people there. So there is benefit to having camps scheduled, camps and, and clinics. So these are clinics in what I'm talking about. Camps more so for any kind of longer break, Thanksgiving break. Uh, winter break for December before you actually go and are released spring break. Those are also times that you can host a camp and maybe you want to turn your clinics from two hour clinics to three hour clinics or to uh, eight a day camp or something. Uh, that's always possible. I think it just makes sense to, to quantify the gym rental and, you know, what the, market is willing to pay for for those camps for those clinics uh, the holiday clinics for sure are there and it doesn't have to just be a, a holiday it doesn't have to just be a, a break it could be a teacher professional day it can be some other day some other reason that they are actually out of school i've even seen some people know some people who prefer to train on election day you know people are out on election day so uh 
that is also an option. So those, really there, there are two right there is camps and there's clinics uh, on holidays. The most important thing I believe is, is operating capacity, meaning you've got two hours a week of gym rentals. Do you have, do you only need one? Do you need three? Uh, do you need zero right now based on your clientele? I think minimizing, which is the benefit of, of actually not having your own facility. There are benefits of having your own facility. But as of late, the guys I've been talking to, the guys I know, there's more benefits of not owning your own facility uh, versus owning it right now. And, or at least buying a facility. Owning means you guys don't pay the bank <laughs> or the, the person who is, is actually owns it and is renting it out to you. So if you're renting, wait, the way Mark Kennebrew frames it is very well. Renting time somewhere like a local rec, a church, a private gym, or renting space where you are actually leasing a property for five years, three years, and you're renting that space to where you can use it at any time that you want to. I think the majority of the trainers that we work with at Hoops Institute definitely are renting time. And renting time is beneficial because you can be nimble, you can be fluid, you can be flexible. If you don't need 16 hours a week, then you don't have to pay for 16 hours a week. You can minimize that to four, to three, to two. So what I'm saying is if you've got two trainees or you do only do private training, you got one or five trainees, then maybe you only need five hours for the week instead of renting seven, eight, nine, 10 hours. And it makes sense to, to really be tight and strict about the operating capacity that you have for November until February. My suggestion is minimize it as much as possible so that you can fill up every single slot that you have available for your your training time so minimize those expenses mainly the gym rental because that usually is the biggest expense versus or other than potentially just paying yourself to to be there for i would say coaching if possible um I, you know coaching makes sense because especially if you are i think some people do this they, they don't admit it i have not had anyone admit it but i do think that certain coaches have strategically placed themselves in certain school systems so that they could prospect from that school district right you think about someone who's coached a private school where the socioeconomic status that's the magic word right some some trainers joke about me saying that so often but it makes sense it really does make sense who who your clientele what your clientele can pay definitely does help. That's one of the easiest ways to, to gain more revenue, right? They, the clients who are not, or who are, I guess, who are not price elastic, meaning they can pay more. You can increase their prices and they still can pay. Those who are inelastic, if you raise their prices, they're probably going to bounce somewhere and find somewhere else to train. So having customers who are price elastic it makes sense now i think i'm using that correctly if somebody who's an economist or just you know knows that term better than i do please educate me on that uh, but you want price elastic customers because they can pay more based on what you are charging if they're inelastic they're here but if you coach in an area that you can prospect you have the trainees you have the players on your team you've got other trainees 
potentially in that area who know that you're the coach who want to try to make the team that can probably train with you, which can get kind of sticky because if you're charging someone to train with you and then they ultimately get cut, that hurts. That definitely could hurt. Uh, so I don't know how people really usually navigate that. Maybe they coach for one year and then get out just to have that introduction or to be have that familiarity. Uh, but some people coach and they get a chance to prospect. They get a chance to use the gym rental gym at a much lesser rate or no rate at all. And you can run many events and training sessions for kids in that community because they usually get a pretty significant community discount or you can get your players there in the gym for, for free uh, without having to charge. And, you know, that in itself may be the best way to advertise your services, obviously without having any conflict of interest. And when I say advertise, I mean, you have a chance to be with players every day, pretty much besides games, but you're practicing with them, training with them and helping them to develop and grow their game. And if you're also a trainer plus the coach, then if you do a great job, I can see them spreading the word and talking to other people about, about your services and how you, how you interact with the athletes. So coaching also five is going hard on private lessons. I think many people are more interested in private lessons around this time. Uh, because you got rec league, you got church league, you got the other high school seasons where sometimes people need more refinement on their skills. Uh, I do think this is a great time to start with the private training lessons. At least that's one thing that I'm going to start focusing on because, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, most of the days throughout the week, there's less availability to rent gyms because they have church league and rec league going on. But you know, usually things don't start until five o'clock, maybe six o'clock sometimes. So there are pockets of time where it can either be a private training session as soon as kids get out of school or shortly before they begin any practices or other other training sessions. Uh, I do think that's another a sixth one there really is is training beginners. Most people will not do this, which I think means there is a big opportunity in it that most trainers don't want to train third graders, fourth graders. I get it. <laughs> I really do get it. But also understand keeping your your income and your profitability and making sure that these ebbs and flows and the seasonality doesn't crush your basketball training business and making you have to, to shut down services, shut down shop. But again, teach her or his own. Uh, so private training lessons and beginners, youth athletes, starting to really focus on them which also gives you more retention, more lifetime value if they want to stick with you. It's nice to have the, the long retention and not have to continue to find new customers. So uh, they stay for a longer time. You see the growth sooner and they start to recruit other people as well. So I do think there is a win. There's a positive aspect of training younger kids, although it may be a headache and tough at times. Uh, if you can do it, I do think it's worthwhile to focus on that small, sometimes forgotten age group. And really, I would say two, two things. I'll, I'll put these two together. So I really have eight for you. One is client acquisition. Um, and obviously, well, I'll go client acquisition last. So number seven, I would say, is ancillary services like film, consulting, uh, helping out with team practices. That is another way to make sure that you have some ancillary 
revenue, other revenue and providing ancillary services uh, during the winter months. I think that is something that that can work. I've heard trainers using that. I haven't really heard many of them say it's been a large part of what they do during the winter times uh, to keep it definitely keeps them busy. I'm sure of that but consulting with coaches, watching film with athletes, maybe mental performance coaching. I don't know. I don't think you need a certification for that, but I definitely do think it would help. Uh, those those types of things. Team training could be helpful as well. So ancillary services. And last but not least, honestly, the most one of the most important ones is client acquisition, making sure that you have a means to get new people. I mean, even the, the best coaches in the world, the best organizations, they recruit, right? Like the power fives, they recruit. So why would we not need to recruit in our local area? And I do think a client acquisition system is very important, no matter what you're using, right? Of course, I'm going to say the playbook because I have not seen any competitor who has the automation set up and the funnel set up that we have set up that are so specific towards basketball uh, that can be up and running shortly if the trainer actually works. A lot of trainers don't want to work. Most of us do we work honestly harder than we need to at times to make things work. So I'm not shunning and saying basketball trainers don't work hard. What I am saying is basketball trainers don't work hard on the things that most basketball trainers don't work hard on the things that actually move the needle and actually gain and get results. Uh, I do think you need a, a client acquisition system. I uh, do think trainers don't want to do the work that does not come natural to them to save them time, save them energy, save them money. Uh, so having a client acquisition system that gets clients or gets leads for you, that turns them into clients, if you are worth your salt and train well and are professional, uh, that is invaluable. And that is what the playbook has. It definitely is a shameless plug for the playbook because I've seen what it can do for people who actually apply the systems and make it an asset, not a liability. I've also seen what it can do for people who don't want to reach out, who don't want to put in work, who aren't clear in what they want to have set up and, and don't want to look at support videos or reach out to support. I've seen both sides and it's worth the potential benefit to put it out there to you if you're a basketball trainer who wants to get more clients, wants to get more leads and doesn't want to be texting every single person who's interested in your basketball training services because you don't have time. I know guys who spend hours a day texting out their messages and I'm surprised you're not sick and tired of doing it yet, you know, but that is what people respond to. So I understand that people like a personal touch. I also understand that it's not for me and it's not for other basketball trainers who don't want to have that set up and who rather have some more automation and, and efficiency. So I'm done with that. You got camps, you got clinics, you got operating capacity, minimizing expenses, you got coaching, which I'm going to uh, come back to. Coaching, you got going hard on private lessons, you got focusing on the younger, sometimes forgotten athletes, like the homeschool athletes, the young athletes who are in second, third grade. You've got the athletes who probably did not make the team in church league, rec league, so on and so forth. The ones who are beginners in the sport. Uh, got the ancillary services as well, like team training, consulting, film watch, and you got client acquisition as well. Between those seven to eight things, I do think you can find your spot, your niche, and make sure that the winter is 
profitable in the winter is not a drag and a drain because I've been in that spot where I've been thankful that I've had one client who saved the day and without that one client would have been done in year one. So I know what that feels like. I know what that stress is like and I don't want it for you. <laughs> so that's why I hope you take advantage of this. And if you have any questions, I'm always glad to help trainers out. Uh, we'll give them a phone call potentially or via email too. Guys, thank you for, for watching this. If you have any thoughts, questions, please feel free to comment and I'll catch you guys on the next follow through Friday. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode and I will catch you on the next one.